0: Good morning. It's been a good morning so far, hasn't it? Amen. I'm glad you were here. If you're here for the first time, uh, we believe that God wants to be involved in your life, amen. not just come and get some religion and go home, Um, that God is active. And I think as as time gets closer to his return, we're going to see greater things take place because we need to move God in our country. Amen. What's happening isn't working. You can't push God out of land that he owns. Yeah, man, they can try, but it ain't gonna work. So, all right, well, hey, let's get into the Word. If you have um, not been here, if you're here, if you're new, we've been going through the book of Joshua... And uh, just a little bit of a recap, so if you have an idea where we're going, um, the, the Israelites 40 uh, some years ago were, were in Egypt, they were captive as slaves, and Moses led them out of Egypt, uh, they went to the promised land, like God said, you can have this new land, and they got there, um, and fear took a hold of them, they sent 12 spies in, uh, 10 came out and said, we can't do this, uh, again, Joshua and Caleb were the two that said, we can do this, unfortunately, the majority ruled, and the Israelites wandered for 40 years um, in the desert until that whole generation died off. The new generation was raised up um, and and Joshua was leading them into the promised land. They've been fighting for seven years to take possession of this promise. And I will tell you that when God gives you a promise, sometimes it's a fight to get it. Sometimes it's a battle. God just doesn't make everything easy for us. And we can get an amen on that because we know that's the truth, that a promise has to be possessed. Uh, So the setting here As the big wars were over, they had conquered the land of Canaan. Uh, The people were at peace. Um, God gave them rest from years of war, uh, which is a reminder for me to keep going even when it's hard, uh, to do the hard stuff first, do the hard stuff first, and they're doing the hard stuff first, and then they're going to enjoy the land that God has given them. So I'm going to title today's message. It's a a phrase from Andy Stanley in one of his marriage uh, videos that we watch in our life group, and it's called, Believing the Best or Assuming the Worst. Which one do you fall under? Like there's a category that you typically will respond. You either believe the best about a situation or the people, or you assume the worst about. And we all have one of those that that is pretty much primary in our lives. And how do we get through those things? So Joshua chapter 21, uh, I want to tell you just that, that God keeps his promises when we do our part. Your job is to keep going. Your job is to keep doing what I've asked you to do. And so it starts out with this. It says, so the Lord gave Israel all the land he had sworn to give their forefathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. The Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their forefathers. Not one of their enemies withstood them. The Lord handled all their enemies over to them, or handed all their enemies to them. Not one of the Lord's good promises to the house of Israel failed. Every one was fulfilled. And I will tell you that God's promises to you will never fail as long as you keep going, as long as you keep doing what's right. Uh, A lot of times we want God to keep his side of the deal, but we don't want to keep ours. Like we want God to bless us, but we don't want to leave our sin. Hello. Hello. All right. We want God to get, do what He wants, or what we want Him to do, but we don't really want to do our part. We want to do like this minimal payment on a credit card and hope that the balance gets knocked down quickly. That's not how it works. Matter of fact, a credit card company is counting on you making the minimum payment, and if you don't, then they jack your interest rate up. Why? Well, life is kind of like that. When we don't do the payment on the front end, it usually will cost us on the other side. And so God here is saying, I will keep my promises to you. And he kept his promises to Israel because they were faithful to serve him and do what was right. As far as battle go, we oftentimes try to fight battles on our own. And it says here that who gave the victory? Jesus. Jesus, Who who did the fighting? The humans, right? The humans did the fighting, but God gave the victory. So it's a a both and thing. And God just expects you to keep going. Uh, God keeps his promises when we do our part, he did it for Israel and he'll do it for us. Um, I usually say, you know, when tithing, tithing is not a money issue. It's a trust issue, right? It's a trust issue. We, we have to trust God with our money. When we give, the Bible says that God will sometimes bless us back. Does <laughs> it say he will always bless us back? But it's, it's a, it's a both and thing. So, uh, money again, it's, it's a trust thing. It's a trust thing. I'll know this about problems. The problems of today are easier to deal with when you know the promises of tomorrow will come to pass. Isn't it easier to, to hang in there when you know that tomorrow is gonna have a payday? Isn't it easier to go to a job and work when you know that your paycheck will happen tomorrow? Would you stay at a job that you only got paid half the time and you didn't know when that was gonna happen? Like wouldn't y'all be looking for a job like at Carl's Jr. where you know you're gonna make 15 bucks an hour? Right. You're like flipping hamburgers. Yeah. And I tell you what, the, the, the price of the pay is, 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 reflecting in the price of a hamburger nowadays. Um, you know, it, that always gets you. Right. And the problems of today really are easier to deal with when you know, the promises of tomorrow will come to pass. And the Israelites, as they have taken possession of this land, it was easy, easier for them to fight when they knew that God was going to keep his promise. Like they knew that the payday is coming. We're going to get what God has promised to us. And I know this about hope. Hope gives you something to hold on to. Some of you today are here and and you've lost hope. You just, you're like, I just don't see how this is going to work out. Well, that's why it's important that you're here today is that God will show you that he is the one that you hope in. Like he is your only hope. Think of a Star Wars movie. Who was the only hope? Oh, man a lot of you star wars heads out there right how many of you had no idea what i was just talking about all right you need to watch more tv <laughs> i knew i'd get you on that one all right so let's get into this chapter 22 1 through 4 the setting here is that the last tribe to get their land uh, they're, they're called the reubenites the gadites and a half tribe of Manasseh. reuben was the leader gad was the neighbor and manessa was a leader and they have been fighting for seven years to get a land for somebody else. Um, they're the last tribe to get it. Now, we're going to go back in time seven years. We're going to talk a little bit about this tribe. And when I talk about the tribe, instead of saying Reubenites, Gadites, and half-tribe of Manasseh, we're going to just call them the tribe. Some of the Atlanta Braves fans will appreciate that, if there is any in the house. If there are, we will have an altar call at the end to uh, get you saved <laughs> and right with Jesus. But uh, just messing with you, Chris. Um, It was some first service too, but they got up and walked out halfway through. (laughs) All right. We have to go back to chapter one to see who this tribe is because we have to understand their character because something is going to happen to them that they don't see coming. They're going to get falsely accused of something by the brothers that they have been fighting alongside and with for seven years. Have uh, you ever have that happen? You, you've been accused of something and you didn't do it, but you got accused by it. Um, and that's going to happen to this tribe. But we have to understand again, their character. Uh, this is very hurtful when this happens, that people jump to conclusions before the facts. So, so who is this tribe? And in 22, verse 1 through 5, we're going to read what, what is said about them. And then we're going to go back in time. It says, Then Joshua summoned... The Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh, or the tribe. And he said to them, You have done all that Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded, and you have obeyed me in everything I commanded. For a long time now, to this very day, you have not deserted your brothers, but you have carried out the mission the Lord God gave you. Now that the Lord your God has given your brothers rest as he promised, return to your homes in the land that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you on the other side of the Jordan." Okay, so there's this little command, you guys are now honorably discharged, you can go home. Well, let's back up seven years to kind of figure out what Josh was talking about. So as, as Israel is about to take over Canaan, there's the Jordan River in between them and the promised land. They're staged um, in this one area, and they're ready to go over. Jericho is going to be the first city that they're going to take. And God had promised this tribe the land on this side of the river, on the east side of the river. Okay? All of Israel would go to the west side and take over that land, but this tribe was promised land on this side of the river. And, and Joshua was okay with it. He said, but... Okay, I need, your your families could stay, but I need all of your fighting men to cross the Jordan River to help out your brothers take possession of this land. There was about 30,000 fighting men. And so they agreed to do it. They're like, yeah, we can do that. Um, I don't know if they knew it was gonna be seven years of battle, but they were willing to do it. And so this whole dialogue happens is, yeah, you you can have this land, but we need you to go fight. And here's how they answered Joshua in verse 16 of Joshua 1. Then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. Sounds like your children, (laughs) right? (laughs) Whatever you want, mom, dad. And wherever you send us, we will go. We're looking into the heart of these fighting men. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will fully obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command, we'll just kill him. That's pretty good motivation, right? Can you imagine getting ready to go for a family trip and you get your whole tribe in the car and you're like, if you disobey, you die. We'll just leave you at the rest stop, right? It, it all has to happen is one or two times and kids start obeying all over the country. And that's what he's saying here is, it, 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 these guys are like, yeah, and whoever doesn't listen to you, we'll just kill them and everything will be fine. I kind of like Old Testament, how they did things, right? It was nothing about feelings. It was all about obedience, right? only be strong and courageous we get a glimpse of these men we get a glimpse of their heart to go to war for their brothers we get a glimpse of what it is to be in american military to go fight in a country that's not yours to help other people who can't help themselves okay? so those of you who've served in our military those of you who have children that have served you deserve a round of applause thank you thank you for what you've done because that's what you are. There is a picture here that's being painted of the American serviceman and servicewoman willing to die for somebody else. And that's what kind of men these guys were. They're like, we'll do whatever you need us to do. We will go fight for our brothers, however long it takes, and then we'll come back and we'll possess this land. So they were staged again on the east side of the Jordan. Canaan, the promised land was on the west side. Or they say west side. West side. I wasn't ever in a gang, so I can't just do it. Hey, there we go. I probably shouldn't do it online. I'll probably get death threats now. (laughs) Yo, bro, what are you flying colors for? I ain't flying no colors. All right. Yeah, you just try. Half of us are armed. This is Idaho. Um, All right. So this tribe was told they could have it, but again, it required the fighting men to cross over and help their brothers before they could come back and live there, okay? Their families could, and again, Jericho would be the first uh, city they would sack, then Ai, and they would go on. And so I tell you that to tell you this, that, and I've said this to you before, but what you're facing now is preparing you for what's next. Like what you're going through right now is preparing you for what's next, and that was going on in these guys' lives. And this attitude will serve you well in areas of life that, that what I'm going through right now is going to prepare me for what God has next. Uh, be, be will, have willingness and be obedience because that's what makes God smile is that we're just willing to do whatever it is that he's asked us to do. So now seven years later, we go fast forward again. We kind of understand these guys as character because it's important to know what their character is like because it's going to play into the accusation. All right. Uh, character is revealed. They're like, we'll do what's necessary. We'll just, we'll go ahead and do it. They are serious about serving God. And what you gather here is they were like the first to fight, and now they're the last to get the, the land, all right? And they don't seem to have a problem with it. They're like, yeah, we're the first to go over, and we fight, and, and now we're the last to get our lands, but we're good. Why? Because we serve. That's what we do. Yeah, minor inconvenience, but now we're going to get what, what God said we could have and again, they're serious about serving God. They're serious about helping others get what they want. So now they're about to get honorably discharged. Uh, Joshua 22, 5 through Now we're back into uh, the current time. And here's what, what Joshua said. He's like, dismissed. And he goes, oh, wait, time out. Hold on. Everybody's walking out. They're like, what? He goes, like, right, one more thing. One more thing. I, I got to do this. And it's kind of like a dad. When when your kids drive off, you're like, hey, drive safe, right? We know that they're probably not going to drive crazy, but we just feel that need to tell them. You ever been there? Yeah. Like you've heard me say as a pastor, like when you guys leave, I don't usually tell you to drive safe. I say drive crazy just to see if you're still listening. <laughs> so he, he's, oh, wait, 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 let me, let me, I got something else to tell you. And they're like, what? He says in verse five, but... Be very careful to keep the commandment and the law that Moses, the servant of the Lord gave you to love the Lord, your God, to walk in all his ways, to obey his commands, to hold fast to him and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul. Now I need to take a little moment here to tell you that I'm preaching this Sunday. What I told you, uh, isn't, isn't what I was going to preach. Because I was going to preach on Joshua telling these people, like, okay, everything's done. You guys can't serve God, but me and my family, we're going to serve God. And that's what I was planning on preaching until I found this, this, this story. And I'm like, man, i got to put this message on hold for next week. Because this is a message that we need to hear. And he tells them kind of the same thing he's going to tell everybody next week. But he's reminding these men who have fought valiantly for seven years, these men whose character has been impeccable. They had the strength and energy to help other people. And how he's like, oh, you guys, don't, don't forget to serve God. And if, as a human, Bob, I'd be like, what do you think I've been doing? Like, what are you preaching at me now? I've given up seven years of my life, bro. What, what are you preaching at me for? Anybody else be kind of like that? You're like, I've been doing what's right. What is, what, Joshua, what do you think? What are you, been, what are you thinking, man? Come on, you're preaching to the, the army here. Like, we've been faithful. But you don't see any of that attitude. You don't see any attitude displayed. It's almost like they're just stopping. They're just listening like, yeah, it's a great reminder. Yes, we're supposed to love God. But in my brain, I would be like, that's what I've been doing. It would be like your boss coming in and telling you to do the job that you've been doing well the whole time. Right? And don't forget to do this. And don't forget you're like, man, I've been, I got this nail. I got it down. We, We tend to get this little bit of an attitude when somebody tells us what to do or what not to do. Or maybe that's just an American thing. We just don't like to be told what to do, right? <laughs> right? Like everybody, if, if they told you you can't wear a mask, ninety percent of us will come to church with masks next week. <laughs> like so you told me, I couldn't, so I'm going to do it, right? We just have this little rebelliousness in our hearts, and he's just giving them be, be, be very careful to keep the commandments of God. And they're like, "Yes, sir." And I'm sure some of them are going, yeah, "That's what we've been doing this whole time," but then don't show. In the attitude and what I wrote here is they, they may have been taken aback a little bit by Joshua's little motivational speech, but because Joshua is a great leader, he understands human nature, okay, they they needed it a little bit just to remind them don't take your foot off the gas. You've been battling for seven years and you have this idea in your mind, I can now take it easy. And I will tell you in your walk with God, when you battle, 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 but if you ever take your foot off the gas, if you ever take it easy and you just kind of put your guard down, that's when the devil likes to attack you. So I think he's just telling you, you fought hard, just keep in mind, all right, just to continue to serve God. It reminds me, one of my favorite movies is Gladiator. And when Marcus Aurelius comes up to Maximus and the war's over, they fought Germania, there's like nobody else to fight. And he says, what can we do to honor you, Maximus? And he just says, let me go home. I love that. That's one of my favorite things. Just, can I just go home? I got a wife and a son and I got a firm. Can I just go home? I've been gone three years and X amount of days. He knows exactly, like those of you who were in the military, you knew exactly how many days you had to get out. All right. And, and that's what Maximus, he says, can I just go home? It's like, I don't need to be honored. I've done my job. I've done my duty. I'm just ready to go home. That's what I picture here. As these guys have done their duty, they've honored seven years of battle. They just want to go home. They don't need to be honored. They just want to go home. And that's what a true hero is. They don't need to be honored. And that's part of what makes a hero a hero. Amen. is that's what they're looking for. They're just doing what is necessary. And I believe at this point with Joshua's little motivational speech, oh, by the way, uh, they had this opportunity to be offended. But if they were offended, they didn't show it. My question here is, how hard is that to do in our lives? Because we get offended very easy. You know, if you've listened to me preach much, I I call our generation, generation offended. Because everything offends them. It's like, you sneezed funny, that offends me. You should sneeze different. And you're like, (laughs) that you sneezed offends me. I mean, everything seems to offend people. And I'm like, grow up, get some thick skin. Right, and because America was made on on just little sissies who didn't want to fight or tough it out. No, America was made by tough people, right? Pioneer ladies that came across without restrooms and rest stops. <laughs> like we were driving through toward toward uh, Utah, I guess not. And I, and I I'm driving through Bliss, <laughs> and I'm like, what about this? Is Bliss right? This is nothing. And then I saw a sign. The sign said Hot Springs. I was like, oh, now I, I think I know how it. This was some pioneer family all across the desert. Some woman was hot and sweaty, and she saw a hot springs, and she took a hot bath, and she was like, "This is bliss." And then her husband smelled her; that she smelled good now, and he's like, "This is bliss," all right? So it was like a. I'm like, that's how that's how bliss got named because it's just dry desert, but it had to, to do with the hot bath. It had to be. I'm just. You you agree with me? That's the only thing I think of. Because there ain't nothing bliss about. I like I go to the mountains, and that's bliss. But anyway, that's just a side note, nothing to do with the message. All right. But I tell you what, you can complain about not having a you know wrap around walk in shower until you've been on the pioneer trail for a week and you just find a hot springs in the desert. Okay, it's perspective is an amazing thing. These guys have a good perspective. They, didn't, they decided, hey, we're not going to be offended. All right? They understood something. They understood that Joshua had their best interests in mind. And it's easier to take a challenge or correction when you know the person just wants the best for you. And that's how I approach God's word. When I read God's word and it says, do this or don't do this, I have to go, okay, God said this for a reason. Because he wants my life to be blessed. He wants my life to be blessed. He wants me to do what's right so that the blessing can follow so I want you to, to change gears here, verse 6 through 8. I want you to think about the mentality these must have felt. And those of you who have been in the military, you understand, especially combat, you understand what, the, what they're feeling right here. There's this elation as we made it. It says, then Joshua blessed them. He gives them this little speech, and then he blesses them. And he sent them away, and they went to their homes To the half tribe of Manasseh, Moses had given the land of Bashan. And to the other half of the tribe, Joshua had given the land on the west side of the Jordan with their brother. So Joshua sent them home and he blessed them. Saying, "Return to your homes with your great wealth," because they had gathered incredible amount of wealth with all the cities that they captured. They could take all the plunder, they, the gold, the silver, the cattle. There was all kinds of things. It says even clothing here. Uh, there was Vinci bags, and there was uh, nice shoes, ladies. Um, it was everything that you wanted to start a whole new life, and a great quantity of clothing. I can imagine each man going through thinking, man, my wife would really like this. And they were gone for their wives for years. And I'm sure some of the men went, yeah, she would really look good in this. Uh, And and so they were just gathering all this stuff and they get to go home and not have to start over, but they get to add to the land that they already possessed. I mean, all kinds of possessions and they plunder from their enemies. That's what he's saying, we go home with this. And so they did this. So I want you to picture their trip back Okay, they fought for seven years together, and they're going back, back toward the river, going back to the place where they began. And I imagine they saw the 12 stones that were piled up when the Jordan River, when God stopped the water and the water receded, and they walked through on dry ground seven years ago, that they saw that pile of rocks as a memory of what had happened. They go, man, remember those rocks? That's what we came through on. you know." And it doesn't say nothing about the Jordan stopping here. They probably had to wade through it, but they were probably cool with that. It's just water, right? It's bliss. <laughs> they've been in combat it's bliss and they walk through and, and it was like you know automatic car washes were invented when the guy walks through the river and says I'm clean now <laughs> you've got to be a little more creative in you're listening <laughs> because sometimes my jokes are terrible alright assume the best alright and so they're looking at the pile of rocks well, that's great and then they walk by Jericho and remember, they're going, oh yeah, I remember Jericho. That was like seven years ago. We forgot all about Jericho because we've you know, killed so many people and sacked so many cities since it. But remember Jericho? Remember Jericho when the walls came down and one of the guys goes, yeah, how come God couldn't do that to like, all the cities? Why did we have to like, build things against him? I mean, he made it so easy the first time. Remember Jericho? Remember the miracles? Remember that one wall that's still standing because Rahab was up there and God kept his promise to her. Remember that? And they're reminiscing about all these things. And then they decide to build something. They're they're thinking back in this emotional high I think they're on. And in their emotion, they're like, you know, we're going to build an altar that's a replica of the altar of God at Shiloh. There's a city called Shiloh, and that's where the altar was where they would sacrifice to the living God. And they get this idea, let's build a big one that's just as a memory of what God did. We got Jericho, we got the pile of 12 rocks to remember. Let's build an altar, okay, just to remember who we serve. And so they build this altar. And something crazy happens with it in verse 10. It says, when they came to Galilee near the Jordan in the land of Canaan, they were still on the Canaanite side... The Reubenites, the Gadites, the half-tribe of Manasseh built an imposing altar. They built a big one by the Jordan. And then when the Israelites, this is, this is about to get nuts here. When the Israelites heard that they had built an altar on the border of Canaan at Galilee, near the Jordan on the Israelite side, the whole assembly of Israel gathered at Shiloh to go to war against them. And you're like, What? Like the brothers that have just fought with you for seven years to help you get your land, they go build this thing and now they're getting ready to go to war and kill them? Okay, what ha- why? Like what, what happened here? And they didn't even know what was happening. This is crazy. It says, and their brothers hear about it. They see this altar and they totally misread what's going on. Here's what they thought. They thought that the tribe built an altar to some other god. They thought that they left the God that they had been serving, and they were just going to go do their own thing. And and they totally assumed the worst, and they gathered for war without fact-checking first. And what's weird about this story is that they knew the character of the tribe, and that's why we went back and looked at their character. The character was faithfulness. The character was commitment. The faithfulness is, we're going to serve God. If not, we'll kill you. They were committed to this. And yet Israel was so fast to jump on this little bandwagon that they were ready to go to war against them. Guys, how often do we do that? How often do we jump to conclusions we don't know all the facts? How often in our marriages do we go to war so quickly when we don't understand what the other person really means by what they said? Or by what they looked or or the text that they sent or maybe didn't send. We, We build this idea and then we go to war really quickly. And we've all had this happen to us. Somebody jumped to conclusions about our motives and it hurts when that happens. You just try to do the right thing and it blows up in your face because of someone else's wrong assumption. I've always said that, that you should live in such a way that if you get falsely accused, people who know you well would go, that doesn't sound like them. That doesn't sound like their character. That doesn't sound like something that they would do. We better check into this further because that just doesn't sound like them. I wanna show you something here. It's on this slide. What they saw... The Israelites wasn't what was. What they saw, well, what was it? I'm going to show you something because I have this thing in my brain where I see words backwards and it's not, not like I do it on purpose. What is saw backwards? Was. What, what, what they saw wasn't what was. And yet so often in our lives, what we see, we just assume is what it was. Are we guilty of that? What we saw isn't what is, but, but it's the reverse. Also, the reverse of live, L-I-V-E, is evil. The opposite of live is evil. And we, in our lives, a lot of times, what we see isn't really what is. And we get it backwards because saw is, was backwards. We get it backwards in our lives. I will tell you this, assuming the worst will almost always get you into trouble. And then we go to war really fast, okay? And how this whole thing goes down is terrible. Like this tribe has been fighting for you. They've been on your team. They're helping you get what was promised. And they've, they've left their families for seven years to fight for your thing. And then you turn on them this quickly over what you think you see. I mean, this is, this is a horrible thing that these people are doing. And we hate when this happens to us. Now, we got a, I got a question Those of you who are in the military, you know what this is. Tell me what it is. What does QRF stand for? Quick reaction force. force. Spoken like a true Marine. Quick reaction force. Thank you for being quick in your reaction to my question. All right? (laughs) Quick reaction force. When something goes down, there's a quick reaction force from the military that goes to rescue whatever is going on. And they get there quick. I mean, here's the, the bad part is we can be a quick reaction force person that reacts to something so fast that we don't know why we're reacting, but we just are. And it's not a good thing. It turns out bad. Somebody says something, somebody cuts us off, somebody does something, and we go like, ah! and we don't know why they're doing what they're doing, but we know that it made us mad. So that's how we're going to respond to it. We don't always understand what's going on with other people. But we do know that they ticked us off and we're going to let them know about it. Like I said, Eagle Road, and now it's becoming Meridian Road. Is now the, is, <laughs> Meridian Road is now the new Eagle Road, right? It's just like, come on. I had a guy pull in front of me the other day, and he went like you know 10 under, and he's in the fast lane. <laughs> I'm like, bro, I'm going to let you know what I think about this. Um, so I did the smart thing. I just passed him on the right. All right. I want to get a big old bumper for my truck. <laughs> Just to push you out of the way. If you do that, right? I'll put like a CLC you know, emblem on it that sticks onto their car. Actually, I'd probably use a different shirt just for because. Uh, all right. But a quick reaction for us, we can be this way with with our emotions. And that's what happened with the Israelites. Is they saw something that, that wasn't even true. They just They thought they, they knew what it was. And they get together. They're ready to go to war against the brothers who had just fought for them. And how often does this happen in churches where your brothers and sisters are together, but you are a quick reaction for us. You see or hear something that you think is different than what it is. And man, we just go to war over it. You know, the best thing that we can do is to clarify some things. And that actually is what happens here. So they get confronted, uh, fairly harshly and fairly quickly. There's a guy named Phineas, Um, who is, he's a priest and and they get together and he's like, okay, I need to go talk to him And he just lights into them. They send him over and he starts talking to him And here's what he says in verse 16. It says, the whole assembly of the Lord says, all right, all the Israelites are talking about these guys. He's like, how could you break faith with with a God of Israel like this? Accusations, false accusations. How could you turn away from the Lord and build yourselves as altar in rebellion against him now? Was not the sin of Peor enough for us? Peor was a sin where it affected everybody. The one guy did something bad and it affected everyone. Up to this very day, we've not cleansed ourselves from that sin, even though the plague fell on the whole community of the Lord. And are you now turning away from the Lord? If you rebel against the Lord today, tomorrow he'll be angry with the whole community of Israel. And he goes on to talk about Achan. If you hear Pastor Stevie preach that where Achan took some stuff out of Jericho, he wasn't supposed to take. God says, don't take stuff. And, and, and he did it anyway. He took it and he hid it in his tent. In the next battle, 36 Israelites were killed. It's the only recorded deaths of all of Israel through all these battles. And it was because one person's sin affected everybody. And I will tell you this. Like what we stand, like in our, our church leadership, like if you're in sin, you're in sexual sin especially, you should not be in public ministry. Right. Hello? Because it affects everything. You get repent, get it right, all right? And we'll forgive you, but don't be living that way. Why? Because it can infect a whole church family. And our job as leaders is to have to deal with that. So we'd rather you just not do it so we don't have to deal with it. We have to play good pastor, nice pastor, terrible pastor, mean pastor, right? The good, good cop, bad cop thing. Because sometimes I don't want to be the bad pastor. I don't have to confront. So if y'all quit sinning, then I don't have to confront you. Everything's cool. It's like parenting children on a trip, right? It's like y'all shut up and nothing bad will go down. <laughs> this is how it works, but we know that's not how it works in real life, right? We don't want to have to deal with it, but we—I'll tell you with sin, sin left unchecked will infect everything, right. and that's why we're serious. We're about restoration. We're about—we're a hospital, not a courtroom. But sin has to be dealt with, right? It has to be dealt with, and and that's again in in Phineas's defense. All right. When he comes and he lights into them, we have to understand the history. Phineas was actually a really good guy. He was a good priest. And what he's seeing okay, isn't what was, but it was what he thinks is. And he's dealing with it pretty harshly. And what he's telling this group of people, he's saying, tribe, remember Peor? Remember what, what, what happened there, how it infected everybody? And it, it, it didn't just affect the people that were involved, it infected all of Israel. Or Achan, when he stole that stuff, it was only him and a couple people that really knew about it, his family, he said, but it infected everybody and 36 of our men were killed. It was 36 sons that died. 36 you know, husbands and their brothers that died as a result of one person's rebellion. So Phineas is coming to them, not out of this terrible accusation, but is saying, what you're doing or what I think you're doing is infecting everybody. And we don't want that to happen. So Phineas actually has the right motive. He's just taking the wrong approach. How often do we do that? We have the right motive, but our approach is bad. An approach really matters. If you've been here very long, I've I've told you the story when I was about eight, nine years old, and I wanted to milk our cow. We had a cow that actually didn't have milk. She was a Holstein. She had udders, but she didn't have milk. And I had this wild idea that I was going to milk Bossy. It was her name. So I grabbed the old coffee can, and I reached in right between her back legs, and that's a really bad way to milk a cow. I should have known better because we just raised beef and I'll just be brutal. We just shot them in the pasture and we butchered them right there. That's, that was pioneer way of life Amen. because we all know that meat comes from supermarkets. All right, Nothing dies when you eat your steak, just so you know that because they grew it in some test tube. But, but that's, how we, that's how we did our beef. And so I reached in and grabbed an udder and that, that bossy didn't like that. And she kicked me right here and sent me flying backwards and I learned a lesson there. Approach matters. <laughs> okay, Approach matters. Approach matters. It really does. And he gets this wrong approach because he, he's thinking what isn't. He just lights into him without first asking the question because had Phineas thought about it, he was so spun up. He, it, had, he, had he thought about it, he would have went to him and said, okay, guys, what's that thing you built and why did you build it? Wouldn't that have been the right response? And a lot of times, we don't know what the right response is until we have to make the stupid response. <laughs> All of us that are married go, "Yep, I know exactly what that's like." All right? Had the wrong approach, okay? And then he lights into him without asking the question. But I wished he would have, you know, for the sake of the story, just went to him and said, "Hey, what's that thing you built, and why did you build it? Just explain this to me." And and if he had done that, this story probably wouldn't be in the Bible, and we wouldn't learn from it. But even a man of God, Phineas, had the ability to be emotional and jump to conclusions. All right? It seems like people, this is all Middle East, they're still a little spun up quickly. All right? From what I see on the news, I've never been there, been in the military, but I've seen they get spun up pretty fast and, and that, that nothing's changed. All right, It's kind of the same mentality. If get spun up and then figure out why. Or get spun up and not figure out why and still be spun up. Right? that That can happen. It's kind of human nature. My encouragement here is for you to clarify motive before jumping to conclusions. I'm preaching to myself as well. This is why our court system, though in America, is not perfect, it is good. It is important. Because what does a judge and jury do? They will take all the information and then look at the case to say, okay, we need to make a ruling here, but we need to know everything about it. I've done enough marriage counseling to know that the first one I hear is usually one I believe, and then I realize, wait, no, there's more to the story. It's like, okay, did I hear the man's side? I'm like, oh, that's why. It's been a year and a half since you've been in bed together. No wonder he's grumpy. (laughs) Okay, this makes some sense here, right? We just meet the needs here and then we'll see some things go on. Maybe that was for somebody in this church right now. My wife and I do the marriage thing so I can talk about this. That's my pulpit. I can talk about what I want anyway, right? Because it's all about meeting needs, Okay. Meet needs. You meet her needs. If she meets your needs, usually it's a pretty happy marriage. Start withholding each other. Then there's a lot of grumpiness that takes place. And so that was for free. I won't charge you for that bit of information. <laughs> Next week, the church will be full of happy, smiling people. <laughs> like, hey, we took your advice. It worked, right? <sighs> hey, God made it, didn't he, right? God made it that way, <laughs> right? And your sixth graders are going to hear her about it from a junior high. A person don't know nothing about it. So they need to hear it in church directly from God's word. Amen. Amen. And here's what I know. At times we're so guilty of jumping to conclusions about things we think we know. Some people are experts at it. My challenge here is don't become an expert at accusation. I know some people that practice accusation so much they have a PhD in it. <laughs> like they're way beyond the masters. They're the PhD. They're really good at it. Help us not to be that way. But there's two sides here. There's the accused, and we don't like it when it happens to us. But how often do we play part of the accuser? Way more often than we think. What I want us to do is catch ourselves when we do this. Catch ourselves when we falsely accuse or when we accuse without really knowing everything. Is to take a little more time before we get spun up about something. Something that I wish Phineas, as I, again, a man of God, and he was a good priest that he didn't do. He got so spun up, maybe because the crowd got spun up, like all Israel's like, yeah, we're gonna go kill them. You know, let's go, let's go take these guys out. And, and yet he didn't do that. But then something good happens. He confronts them. He's talking about rebellion and all this. And then the, the, the tribe is able to answer, okay? He's able to answer. And, and the reasoning that Phineas did what he did is he said this, he says, did not the, the wrath come on the whole community of Israel? He was not the only one who died for his sin. He was talking about Achan in verse 20. He said, guys, his reasoning was, I don't want what I think you're doing to affect everybody. So we have to, again, understand that his his motive was right, his approach was wrong. And that's most of marriage issues, is our motives are right, but the approach can be wrong. We have to learn to, to work on the approach. Approach is really important. So they get to answer says, then the tribe replied to the heads of the clans of Israel, 10 guys and Phinehas. And they say this, verse 22, the mighty one, God, the Lord, the mighty one, God, the Lord, he knows and let Israel know if this has been in rebellion or disobedience to the Lord, don't spare us. Matter of fact, kill us. If we are in rebellion, kill us now. If we have built our own altar to turn away from the Lord... And to offer burnt sacrifices and grain offerings or to sacrifice fellowship offerings on it. May the Lord himself hold us into account. And then they explain, this is why we did what we did. He says, no, you're you're wrong. We didn't build some altar to some unknown God. We actually built it to the God that we're serving. This is why we did it, verse 24. This is our motive. We did it for fear that someday your descendants might say to ours, what did you have to do with the Lord, the God of Israel? The Lord has made the Jordan a boundary between us and you, the Reubenites and the Gadites. You have no share in the Lord. So your descendants might cause ours to stop fearing the Lord. He was using a physical boundary, a river, to say, people on your side of the river that are living in the land of Canaan might look on our side, the side that Moses gave us as a small clan, and say, you have nothing to do with the God we're serving because you're on the wrong side of the border. You live on the wrong side of the tracks. You see what's happening here? How we can look at somebody with a different lifestyle than ours. And, and again, if it's sinful, we call it for what it is. But they may dress different. They may look different. They may act different because they're on the west side versus the east side. They're on the wrong side of the tracks. And we have this idea, well, that's the way they are because if that's where they live, we can, we can falsely accuse people. But God loves you regardless of what side of the tracks you live on. And in CUNA, that's really important. Okay? Our church used to be on the south side of the tracks. Now we're north side. How do you, what do you do? What do you do for north? I don't know how you do. How do you do a gang side for north side? You don't know? Okay. That's because there ain't no gangs on the north side, right? It's either west side or east side. But now we're on the, the north side. But those of you who live on the other side of the tracks, you're welcome here too. It just takes you longer to get here. All right? That's all. If we have this idea of, okay, you know, the good people live on this side and the bad people live on that side. And that's what they're saying is we built this altar here to prevent people from saying that we don't belong to God. That's why they do it. And Phineas goes, Oh, cool. All right. Got that cleared up. See ya. That's, if you read the whole story, that's kind of what they did. And Phineas goes back. They go to Israel. Israel's like, Yeah, we're going to kill him. And Phineas is like, Oh, time out, man. Everything's cool. They're, they're still serving God. They just wanted to build a replica to, to say, Okay, we're serving God too. So our future generations look go, Okay, they're serving God too. They're on our team. They're cool. And all this was like, Ah, oh, okay, cool. We're going to go home and go eat because that's what emotional people do. So you read the rest of the story. I'm, I'm ad-libbing just a tiny bit, but I know human nature. And Phineas is just like, no, everything's cool. We got it talked out. But wouldn't it have been great to talk it out before they got all spun up? Yeah. Okay, before the quick reaction force got together, like, let's go kill them, right? And, and they should have went, you know what? Those are our brothers that fought with us for seven years. And their character was like, they were the last man standing. They were the first to fight. They were the last to leave yeah, they probably didn't build an altar to some unknown God. That doesn't, that doesn't matter. But they got so spun up. Why? Because there was probably one or two people that were influential that went and went, they built this altar and it was not to our God. And they're like, ah. Yeah! Because if you read the Bible, that happens a lot. If you watch CNN, that happens a lot. <laughs> like they're like, ah! And like, what are we shouting for? I don't know, but it feels good. <sighs> some people just want to get their anger out and they don't know what they're angry at, but they know that they're angry and they need to be angry at somebody. Then it's gotta be you. Or it's got to be the church. It's got to be Christians. We're not responsible for other people's anger. We really aren't. So I love this story. And here's what I want to challenge us to do as we close this out. They again said, this is just a symbol of our commitment to God. And Phineas and the men, they get this clarification. They go back and they tell the Israelites the truth. And they're like, okay, cool. I think it's cool. And here's what I admire about the tribe not only are they valiant warriors, they were pretty gracious to the accusers. They were pretty gracious instead of going, I can't believe you thought we just, they, they just answered the question. The tribe said, no, Phineas, this is why we did what we did. Like, we know you're a good guy. We know you got spun up over something that's kind of crazy, but that's not what, what, what you saw. It wasn't what it was. It was backwards. And they didn't seem to hold anything against Phineas and the Israelites because everything went back to peacefulness. And I love this in the story because how good are we at doing that? How good are we at being gracious to our accusers? I think Jesus was pretty gracious to his accusers. Father, forgive them if they don't know what they're doing. And in our minds, isn't it something that we could do if our spouse or our kids or boss or whatever is driving us kind of nuts in our brain just to go, Father, forgive them if they don't know what they're doing? And then our flesh goes, they know exactly what they're doing, (laughs) right? Because you're like me. You're like, they know exactly what they're doing. They're pushing the button. They're pushing the button. But I love just their response to it. They were gracious. They understood, I believe, the fear that Phineas had. They understood where Phineas was coming from, saying, Yeah, bro, we understand. You know, what we built, again, wasn't what you thought, but we can understand where you're coming from. We understand that you're just looking out for everybody. And I wish that, that I was better at that. I wish that I was better at trying to get into the heart of somebody else of so why they're saying what they're saying or doing what they're doing to say, you know what? They're probably not really coming at me like I think they are. I don't think they just get up in the morning and go, how can I get him today? <laughs> I'm going to think of some one-liners. I'm really just going to destroy them emotionally with my verbal barrage of you know, nuclear bombs. That was a mouthful, wasn't it? It just came out because I wasn't on my notes and I didn't practice, <laughs> Bible says again, if you have a problem with somebody in the church, if, you're, if somebody offends you, there's a couple of things you do. First of all, you post it on social media. Then you talk to a bunch of people about it. And if that doesn't work, then you actually go to the person and you bomb them. So that's what the Bible says to do? The Bible says if a brother offends you or a sister offends you, like if somebody offends you, especially in the church family, you got to go right to them first. You don't go talking to everybody else now. If there's an issue you have with somebody in church, it's okay to seek a pastor out because we're pretty neutral to say, you know, I just man, this happen? and how should I how should I approach this? That that's okay. Seek godly counsel is okay, but to start talking, it's like that terrible game called telephone because you start things and then and then you find out you and the person get things cleared up, but you've already started a bunch of brush fires. Okay, that's why the Bible's so clear about it. if a brother offends you, go to him first. Go to, I mean, just go to them, talk about it. You should have been like Phineas. Okay, or you shouldn't have been like Phineas. You just go bomb them. But Phineas should have went, hey, we saw this thing. Somebody said something. What's the story? And they'd have been like, oh, well, it's just a symbol. We're serving God. And he'd have been like, okay, cool. No war would have been gathered. I, like, not you understand what I'm saying? But we've played this game and we're just as guilty as the Israelites. So the question I have for you is, will you believe the best or will you assume the worst? That's what I want us to deal with, okay, when we leave today, is am I going to believe the best about people, or am I going to assume the worst? Now, believing the worst might be right, like you might be right sometimes, yeah, they did have wrong intentions, then you've got to take different action, but most of the time, okay, when you believe the best about somebody, okay, you're probably going to be right. I want people to believe the best about me, right, with my sarcasm, I want people to know most of the time I'm just joking. Like I've always told my wife, if I'm grinning, I'm just joking. If, if daddy don't have no grin, he ain't joking. But if I'm grinning, which is most of the time it seems like, I'm just joking. And if you don't think it's funny, that's my fault. I used to think it was your fault. Right? If the church don't laugh at a joke, that's not on you, that's on me. Right? Come on, give me something here because I'm getting nervous now. Uh, but it's really true. If you don't understand what I'm preaching, then I'm not doing my job. I can't blame the sheep if they don't like what's being... I mean, you, I, I can't choose what you like and don't like. I'm going to preach the word of God, but the, the sheep, it's responsible. I'm responsible to throw the feed out there. You're responsible to eat it. And you're responsible to know if I'm telling you the truth. Okay, read the word of God in between Sundays or Wednesdays. Okay? Final question is this, is if if you died today, do you know where you would go? Do you know where you would go? How how do we know that there's a heaven and there's a hell? And I promise you, as long as I pastor this church, this question will always be asked is where's your life with God? Heaven and hell are real places. Guys, we, we will not live on this earth forever. We will take our final breath. And I take that very seriously every Sunday, every Wednesday night that we are on a spiritual journey somewhere. That we have a destination. You have a ticket. You know that you have a ticket spiritually to a destination. It's either heaven or it's hell. Now the ticket you have is your choice. But there's no in between. There's a heaven destination and a hell destination. How do we get to heaven? It's really simple. We acknowledge that we're sinners. And we ask Jesus to forgive us of those sins. To be our Lord and our Savior. We don't have to earn our way. We don't have to be good. We don't have to do a bunch of things to get God's favor. All we have to do is acknowledge, man, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And many of us have made that decision. Now we're just battling just to get to the finish line. Eternity is taken care of, but now it's just the war to get there. But if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, the Bible is very clear that if you die without having Jesus as your savior, that you will pay for your own sins in hell for eternity. It's in the book, right? I believe it 100%. But the Bible also says that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, Jesus, to die for us. That if we believe in him, We'll have everlasting life with him. And have you made that decision today? Let me tell you something. If you're here and you're not serving God, you are not a peaceful person. There is no peace in your heart. You've tried things. You've tried sex, immorality, drugs. You've tried a lot of things. You've tried possessions. But nothing will fill that void in you. It can't. It's a God-sized void that can only be filled with God. And I hope today you will realize that there is a God that loves you immensely. There is a God that is proud that you're here today in his house And there's a God that wants to forgive you, but you have to ask him to do that. It's the only way to heaven. So if you'd bow your heads with me just for a moment, I'm not here to prod and plead with you or beg you. But what I am going to do is ask you, where is your life with God right now? If you've given your life to him, you're fine. You don't have to get resaved. But if you've never given your life to Jesus, and that's something you want to do today, something you need to do, it's the only way to heaven that you would say, Pastor Stan, that's me. I'm here today. I've never given my life to Jesus or I did when I was a kid and I am so far from God, I just need to come home. That God is welcoming you with open arms, but you have to pray the prayer of repentance. And if that's you today, would you lift your hand up and just say, Pastor, that's me. I, I just need to give my life to Christ. I'm not gonna, again, take very long. I'm just throwing it out there. If, that, if you need to make that decision, just lift your hand up where I can see it. I'm not gonna embarrass you or point you out. Okay. All right, I don't see any hands. And if you're online or maybe you're today and you're just like, I don't know if I need to pray that prayer or want to, it's a simple prayer again of just asking Jesus to forgive us of our sins, to come into our life, to be our Lord and Savior. And again, if you've done that, look up at me. Look up at me. If you've made that decision, I know what's on your ticket. You get eternity, baby, in heaven. All right? And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. (laughs) Amen. Awesome. Well, hey. That's all I got. Did it help anybody today? Yep. Yeah. 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 Tell me Monday. It didn't help. I didn't listen. I, uh, I, was, I was Phineas, man. I was Phineas. Uh, so if you, if you know somebody who tends to jump to conclusions quicker, just say, hey, Phineas, what's up? i um, <laughs> call calling that. So Pastor Stevie, do you think? All right. He just came up. All right. Love y'all. If you're brand new, go back and get your coffee cup.